Hey everyone, you're listening to the official podcast of The Calling, the young adults group of Glenwood Community Church. These episodes serve as an anchor for us to meditate on and act as the conversation starter for our gatherings over Zoom. We look forward to when we can gather together once again as a community, but for now we keep our eyes focused on God and the story he's revealing to the world. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us today as we continue our conversation about humility. I'm joined by my wife, Becca, who's a communication scholar, and today we're going to be discovering what biblical empathy or compassion looks like and how humility fits in with all of that. So without further ado, let's get started. a lot of fun. Yay! <laughs> we just got back from our evening walk. Becca and I like to take walks together every evening around our home and our neighborhood and just talk to each other. Yeah, and so we're excited to be here today because we were kind of laughing and saying, oh, it's like you guys get a taste of what our normal day-to-day conversations are like with Eric looking at things from a biblical perspective and then with me geeking out about all things communication and human interactions. <laughs> I, I just want to take a moment to brag on my wife because she got her master's in communication from Gonzaga University. Go Zags! I know, yes. <laughs> I have never been to a sports game or have witnessed anything about Gonzaga except for when you graduated and that was awesome. That was fun. Yes, yeah. totally. But Becca knows a lot. Really, she knows a lot, maybe even more than I do sometimes, about how do we talk to people and how does this work. I've been thinking a lot about our current situation and everything that's been happening in the news and what you've seen on social media, just regarding all of the protests and uh, the movements that have been happening in our society, and we wanted to talk about them, but we also wanted to look about how does this integrate into a biblical worldview and how we should be acting as Christians. Last week, we talked a lot about humility and that the core of the disciple is being humbly submitted to Jesus. We talked uh, a lot about that cultivating humility in our lives is the center for what it means to follow him. And so this week, we're going to be talking about cultivating empathy, because when we cultivate humility, it's going to permeate into the other areas of our lives. And empathy, I think, is one of those things that goes right alongside with humility. Yeah. And I think empathy is something that we're lacking in this day and age right now. And it's something that we can always be trying to grow in. So I'm excited to have the conversation. Totally. So I think it'd be important for us to kind of begin by talking about what is the definition of empathy? Okay. Well, I did a Google search because Google's kind of my second brain. But when I typed in empathy, it said the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Mm. Empathy is feeling with someone or being able to put yourself in their places if you were them and feeling those feelings. So when I was opening my Bible... I found in my study that a biblical understanding of empathy is not only being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, but feeling someone else's pain and taking the action to help. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and where do you see that in scripture? Cool. Well, first and foremost, let's start with Jesus because we love him and he's awesome. He's the best. Jesus models for us a godly response to the marginalized, the poor, and the oppressed. So we look here in Matthew 14, 14. If you have a Bible with you, you can pull it out right now and turn to there. But Jesus is feeding the 5,000. It says here in verse 14, As he stepped ashore, 
he saw a huge crowd, felt splonkizomai for them, and healed their sick. So Jesus had splonkizomai, or compassion. It's to have pity or to feel sympathy. Sympathy. See, that's where it gets kind of confusing to me because we've always been told that sympathy and empathy are two very different things, right? Right, totally. The biblical understanding of how they would have looked at this uh, actually comes from this word called splankna. It's the inward parts of a body allocating to the internal organs. A lot of the times the biblical authors like to assign different organs to how they felt. So, Interesting. Yeah, so let's say I'm walking down the street and I stub my toe. And you're standing right next to me, but you can literally feel my pain and go like, oh, I know how that feels. Yeah. And you don't feel it in your toe, but you almost feel it right deep like down. Like a gut punch. Gut. Like a, oh, yeah, totally. That's gotta hurt. Yeah. Like, oh man, I totally know how that feels. I like have the sinking feeling in my stomach about what that pain is like. And I moved to action and hopefully you would come to my rescue and say, how can I help? <laughs> what do you need <laughs> yeah for sure so something like that uh so when jesus sees the crowds of people coming towards him who have disease and sickness jesus doesn't just feel sorry for them but actively seeks to help them on their behalf and ease their trouble here's another verse in first peter 3 8 he says now finally all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic should love believers and be compassionate and humble Except this time, here he's using the word eusplanknos, or to have feelings of tenderness for someone. Peter's using that splankna word here again, but just in a different form. Well, and I like how it's tied to be compassionate and humble. Right. Because we were just talking about humility recently. And I, I think what was so cool to hear is so many of the young adults in our community were connecting empathy with humility. Right. And how they kind of go hand in hand. They really do. And uh, it, it's all over the place. I mean, when Paul is talking about Christian ethics at the end of Romans, he says this verse that I think a lot of us know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's Romans twelve fifteen. So th there really does seem to be a construct of emotional intelligence when we're engaged in our discipleship. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's crucial for how we follow Jesus. And uh, it, it's crucial for us to think about, to dwell on, and to harvest that in our lives. When we fail to have empathy, we actually are narcissists or we become kind of self-absorbed. Hmm. Yeah. And none of us want to be that, hopefully. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, I know also another... A uh, Bible verse that comes to mind is Hebrews 4.15. Mm. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but mm. we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. Yeah. And I think like the importance of that is that it points to the knowledge that has in it a feeling for the other person mm -hmm. by reason of a common experience. Mm. And so you... When it comes to empathy, you never just want to have a cognitive understanding. Yeah. You need to actually experience it and be able to empathize with it, which right. is why we can look to Jesus for that because he was tempted in every way. Mm -hmm. He understands it. He mm -hmm. has felt it mm -hmm. and can empathize with us. Yeah. So I think that's crazy powerful. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, it, it really changes a lot of the different things when we come to the table and when we are choosing to practice empathy. It's, it's, it's really kind of a radical thing. Uh, when we see someone in need, when we see someone in hurting, 
I think as Christians, we're called to practice an empathy that is moved to action. Mm. Uh, so there's, there's three different types of empathy, uh, according to psychologists. And uh, the first one is cognitive empathy. Uh, and this is also kind of known as perspective taking. It's, it's, it's not really what most of us would think um, of empathy as, at all. It's almost just like if I have cognitive empathy, I can look at someone, I can understand their feelings and how they're understanding themselves and the world around them. I can almost note take, I'm like, yeah, that person looks like they have a sad face on. They must be feeling sad because this happened. Or, oh man, like that person, you know, his, his sports team didn't win. He looks really upset right now. Uh, and, and we understand those emotions because we've felt them. So that's, that's cognitive empathy. Uh, the, the next thing is, is called emotional empathy. Uh, and, and that's when you literally feel the other person's emotions. Like, let's say like you come home and you told me, oh my gosh, I won the lottery. And I'm just <laughs> like, yes. And we're both Rejoice. so excited because now we can give the money to the poor or something. So <laughs> nice. yeah, we can, we can do something fun like that, or I can take you out to a nice dinner, which there is, you go. Which is cool too. So, uh, but lastly, uh, compassionate empathy is like the top tier empathy or whatever we want to say. So that's the empathy, which we're feeling someone's emotions. We're understanding their emotions and we're moved to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So compassionate empathy, I think is the, type of empathy that is put in the scriptures. It's the type of empathy that we're encouraged to participate in, that we're encouraged to cultivate, uh, that we're encouraged to be a part of uh, in the greater mission of Jesus and his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I want to add to that too, because I think the importance of empathy, there's two communication scholars, Mulehoff and Lewis, Mm -hmm. and they share that when we meet people, we try to make sense of them by asking key questions. And so we ask them like, who is this person? Why is he or she acting this way? But the difficulty is that we have no direct access to another person's thoughts or feelings, which can be hard. Um, And so the importance of engaging in this process of perspective taking and really sitting with someone and understanding them through empathy is that we're able to then create what's called thick, complex descriptions of others to understand how they view the world. So it's kind of combining cognitive, emotional, and compassionate empathy all wrapped into one. Fascinating. Okay, interesting. Now, what are some practical ways that we could practice this empathy? I mean, yeah, we understand that, okay, we must be sensitive and understanding and move to action when we see people who are in need. But how do we do that? Like how, like how do I change things in like my behaviors or my attitude or my mindset or the rhythms of my life in, in order to do that? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, I think talking about empathy in the beginning, how we mentioned listening is a key part of it. So there's a concept called mindful listening, or sometimes it's actually called Um, empathetic listening or empathic listening. And this involves paying complete attention to what is happening in our interaction at that precise moment in time. Hmm. And it's the ability to do that without imposing our own thoughts, feelings, or judgments on others. And so really it's a kind of listening that's a structured listening and it's a question technique. So what that can look like is, I mean, let's have some fun with it. Let's go over some non-listening behaviors first of here's what you should be aware of. 
when you're interacting with someone and genuinely wanting to show empathy, don't do these things. Cool. Okay. Good to know. Here's what not to do. <laughs> yes. So I have four of them. Okay. Um, and I know within myself, I can see this. So hopefully you guys will be able to connect and be like, oh no, uh oh, I should try to work on that. Yeah. So. We are no way experts on this. Just letting you know. Right. So we're constantly trying to show more empathy toward one another, but also toward others. <laughs> we're a work in progress. Uh huh. So the first non-listening behavior is, is something called pseudo-listening. Okay. So what this is, is pretending we are paying full attention to an interaction, but we are not. So what does that look like? So it's kind of like the whole smile and nod. Mm. Have you ever been talking to someone and you realize, I actually don't think they're tracking with me. They're just kind of nodding or like what they said in response made no sense to what I was actually talking about. Yeah, usually I find myself being the person who's smiling and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. that's an area that we can for sure try to grow in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, another one is known as monopolizing. Right. And this is when we tend to try to redirect the conversation back to ourselves. Oh, okay. So a great example of this would be, let's say you're sharing something really hard with me. Um, and instead of just listening and asking you, Hey, tell me more. That sounds really hard. I would instead say, Oh, you know what? That reminds me of a time in my own life when blah, blah, blah. Mm. And you're kind of like, cool. Did you hear me? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It makes you feel unheard. Exactly. Like it's just kind of like what? So it's all about you now. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the next one is called selective listening. Yeah. And this happens when we focus only on certain aspects of a conversation. Okay. So have you ever left a conversation and then somebody asks you to articulate, hey, what do you think they were saying with that? And you're only picking out the pieces that that you cared about. Mm-hmm. And so it's not giving that thick, complex description of what actually took place. Yeah. So you could be giving me like a description about your day and telling me all about it. And then the instant you said something about going to a food cart and I'm like, oh, I like that food cart. That's, that's what I want to talk about. And I can relate with you on that. But yet I've completely ignored everything else that you've told me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. um, and then the last one is known as defensive listening. And this is something that I think we're seeing right now in our culture. Yeah. So what happens with that is when we assume a message has negative connotations, Mm. even though the person did not intend it. Mm. And this one I think can be the hardest one of all. Yeah. Because when we're passionate about something, Mm -hmm. instantly our defenses are up. And so when someone has a different perspective from you, Mm. instead of just listening and being willing to engage and hear them out, we start firing back defensive arguments. Right, yeah. So, so those are kind of like the four top non-listening behaviors of, of what can be a stumbling block to actually displaying empathy. Right. I think a lot of the times about the conversations we're having about race in our society and the fear and the feeling of being called a racist or having racist, uh, I guess, conversations or mindset or thinking about things in a way that's not politically correct i think it's it's easy for us to be like nope that's not me yeah that's not like what are you talking about like and 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 we close ourselves off to understanding hey maybe there's an area where i can grow yeah or maybe there's an area that oh i've been actually really insensitive when i when Mm. i say these things and i've been unaware of that it might not be just in this whole conversation about race it could be with a friend it could be with your spouse 
it could even be with your family or with someone at work. And so it's, it's really important for us to understand, I think, about how to cultivate empathy in all walks of life, not just in one or two conversations, but if we practice it in the means of our day to day, then it becomes something we do and we don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, that yeah. was beautifully articulated. I, yeah. I like how you said that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I think on the flip side too. So, I mean, now that we talked about how to, how to not display empathy, right. let's kind of circle back around and, and talk about, okay, so I'm open. I okay. want to know how can I grow in my empathy? Right. So a few things. Cool. The first one that comes to mind is be mindful. Okay. If you tend to get easily distracted, it could be just a simple tactic of place yourself in a position where you won't be distracted so you can listen well. Got it. Um, an example of that is let's say you're going out to a restaurant. Yay. COVID's no longer a thing. (laughs) And, uh, if you tend to get distracted by a TV screen that's on, just like place your back toward it. So that way you're not distracted and you can be fully present with the other person. Oh man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's some good dating advice. (laughs) Yeah. Dating advice, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, another tactic would be to ask questions. If somebody says something and you don't understand what they said or the way in which they shared something, be willing to ask clarifying questions. Huh. Okay. And a great one, Eric, I feel like you do a good job of this. Aww. Oftentimes you'll say, tell me more. Oh, That's yeah. a great one-liner. Yeah. If, if somebody's really starting to open up, just say, tell me more. Yeah. Or tell me more about that. Like, I'd yeah. love to hear more and, and just kind of wait and... And I think we, we always kind of wonder like, oh, do I have the right questions to ask? Do they articulate well in front of other people? But I think they can really just be simple. Yeah. As long as we just say, hey, tell me more. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Or even, I, I didn't quite understand what you were saying. Would you mind expanding on that or rephrasing it? Right. That's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. What else we got? We also have, um, it's important to suspend judgment as much as you can. Obviously, okay. that's really hard to do and it takes several years of practice. Yeah. But ultimately, don't judge too quickly. When people are speaking sometimes... It's not always going to come across in the best way, or you can get confused by something that someone says. So show them grace. Mm. Anytime you're talking with somebody, Mm. sometimes you may have a great positive interaction with someone, and then the next time you might have a more negative one. So just know that people are very complex. So suspend your judgments as much as you can. Yeah. They could have been having a bad day or, you know, maybe something had happened to them earlier and they're just kind of in an off mood. Yeah. Or maybe they're even working through something hard right now. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't know how to articulate it yet and that's okay. Yeah, totally. Another thing would be try to understand the other person's perspective. Got it. Which we've talked a lot about in this podcast. Mm. And then the last one would just be support the other person, even if you don't support what it is that they are doing. And hear me out. I know that that's very, very hard and that could even differ from a lot of um, perspectives within Christianity. But I think it is important when, when showing empathy to someone, if you disagree with what they're saying, that's okay. Right. But how do you still show them empathy by engaging with them instead of just completely stopping the conversation? Right. It, it really seems to throw up all the walls when we make accusations or when we accuse people of certain things. Yeah. And I wonder if sometimes even in our best Christian intentions, 
when we go and confront someone with the truth or <laughs> the things that they've been doing that I disagree with, uh, it, it can really cause them to, I think, fall away or yeah. to be pushed away or to throw up those walls where they're not open to receiving the Holy Spirit and the power that he has to change our hearts and our lives. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's super crucial, not just in our day-to-day with people, but also in light of our evangelism. Mm. I mean, how many people see Christians as non-empathetic people? They Oof. just, yeah, I mean, you think about it. That's heavy. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of times in my life where I've felt not listened to mm. or times where I've felt like I was really struggling with something and I wanted to approach someone about it, but I was afraid that they weren't going to listen to me because they were going to quote a Bible verse, they were going to throw it over my head, yeah. and they were going to make me feel like complete garbage. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, if is that really what it's all about? Like, I think there comes space and room to confront people about issues in their life when they're open to hearing them. Yeah. And, and that really seems to be a big thing for me as to why we don't call people out or yeah. make them feel like trash in front of other people. Because all that does is it creates more shame, it creates more walls, and it creates a harder heart. Mm. So Eric, kind of as we're wrapping up this podcast, I have a Mm. question I wanted to ask you as a pastor and as a leader in the church. I'm curious, what are some ways that you believe the church and those who profess to follow Jesus could be more empathetic toward one another? Essentially, how do we grow in our empathy? Yeah, you know, I think we are passionate about following Jesus and we love scripture and we really want to see lives changed and we're not patient about it. I think about the many times in the Gospels where Jesus uses these agrarian pictures to describe growth or to describe spiritual maturity. When you look at the parable of the sower and the seed, uh, that's describing different soils. Uh, the seed falls on the soil and it grows in different locations. When the seed falls on the good soil, uh, it doesn't just sprout right up right away. We know that. It takes, it takes time. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm growing a jalapeno plant outside, and it's not like I get jalapenos in two days. I get <laughs> jalapenos in 75 days. Right. Yeah. So I, I also think of I am the vine, you are the branches, and the pruning that takes place uh, in, in light of our discipleship to Jesus I also think of Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, when he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was the one to give the growth. So we are so quick to, I think, try to be like, all right, if I just slap them with this Bible verse, or if I just share this in front of them, then they'll change. Mm. But I think sometimes before people need that verse spoken into their life, they just need to be heard. They just need to be listened to. Something I always like saying is people need to belong before they believe. And I think if we want to get people to belong, we have to make them feel heard and listened to. Yeah, I agree. And it's so true. Empathy requires a slowing down. Right. Right? You can't express empathy when you're in a rush. Yeah. I have never once felt um, that somebody was really with me in something. Right. When they were rushing off to the next thing. So it's a slow, slow process. Right. I think sometimes we believe that once someone says the sinner's prayer, they're in, they're good, they're safe. Mm. It's like we've let them in to a doorway. And it's like, all right, come on in the door. Boom, gotcha, trapped you in here. But in, I, I think salvation is more of a process. And it's 
more of a space where people need to come to understand that they're heard, they're listened to, they need to wrestle with things, they need to understand that, yeah, I might not be right here, or I don't know how I feel about this, and that's all right, because maturity comes with time. Disciples of Jesus are called to be good communicators. We're called to be emotionally intelligent students, sensitive and understanding to the feelings of others, either in racial conversations, marriage, or with our friends. And it's this reversal of our inward evil desire to make things all about us. Our humility in following Jesus allows us to create spaces in our conversations for where we can bring the gospel. And that's the true power where we're able to heal others. Well, Becca, thanks for joining me today. It's been so much fun talking with you. I know. I've had a blast. Yeah, even though we talk to each other all the time, not on the show. (laughs) I know. It's super fun, though. Yeah, totally. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Just letting you know, the music in this podcast was made by our friend, Kaylin McKinley. We're so thankful for the music that he's able to contribute to this podcast and make it sound awesome. But until then, stay home, stay healthy. Stay safe.